Hey everybody, Robert Kennedy the third here, RK3. That's me. What? Yeah. Do you like surprises? <laughs> Do you like surprises? What if the surprise was that your child had dyslexia? What if after that you found out that your husband has been living with dyslexia for quite some time? What if after all of that, you found out that you have a diagnosis, ADD, ADHD, not 100% sure, but there's a lot of different things that are happening in your world. And you're not quite sure about how to deal with all of that. How do you deal with all of that and then still make success? Let's talk about that story. What's happening? Robert Kennedy to the third here, RK3. That's me. And welcome to another episode of What's My Story podcast. Listen, uh, I, I, what, we've got an amazing guest for you today. But before we jump into that, I want to shout out our sponsor for the day, Rescue Events Management. If you have an event and you don't want to worry about a thing, you want to make sure that it's handled. You got to make sure that you connect with Rescue Events Management. Don't forget, we have an audio version of the podcast as well. Go to whatsmystorypodcast.live and you will have the audio version of the podcast. Maybe you're not able to join us live on Mondays at 1.30 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but you can always catch up either by going to RK3TV to watch the show or you can go to the audio version. You can listen to it in your car. Go to What's My Story Podcast podcast.live. Please, please, please be sure to share this podcast with others. Make sure that you share this goodness with them because we all want to be able to figure out how to navigate our story, how to navigate all of the, the crazy, how to navigate the possibility and the potential and the progress. And so we want to show you how people made it through their stuff and encourage you and empower you to make it through your stuff too. So let's get to the podcast for today. Let's get to the story. Our guest today is Winifred Winston, and she is a best-selling author, advocate, speaker. She's worked in education, providing career management services. She's the founder of Dyslexia Advocates Incorporated. Check her out at soallcanread.org. Winifred, what's your story? Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. I'm so excited to be here. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, listen, we're glad that you're here. I I I saw I said at the beginning of the show that you, you man, you've dealt with a lot of different things over the last few years and we want to we want to dig in and figure out how you were able to navigate that and create success, the success that you've created for yourself. But before we dive into the hard part of the story, let's talk a little bit about what you're up to. What's what what are you building these days? So right now, I'm the founder and executive director of Dyslexia Advocation Incorporated. We're a 501c3 charitable organization, and our mission is to equip parents of children with dyslexia and other language-based learning disabilities with the necessary tools to help their children become successful readers. And our yeah. mission is open-ended like that because of my experience, right? Mm -hmm. Those necessary tools, they can mean a lot of different things. 
right? Yeah. Depending on your individual circumstance. And as a black woman, as an African-American woman navigating this space, um, I definitely wanted to create a community um, where people yeah. could feel comfortable and safe and then come to us for help. So we've been building this um, over the last year and we are the uh, recent recipients of the grand prize winner of the SIL um, $25,000. So our nonprofit. Wow. Yes. Yes. Awesome. 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 Matt, I'm glad to hear that. I was um, I had the opportunity, the privilege to work with the SIL, the Johns Hopkins um, what is it? Social Innovation, Social Lab. Innovation Lab. Yeah, you you guys were doing your your story pitches for your businesses, and wow, that is amazing. So let's let's. Oh well, congratulations. First of all, that's that's twenty five thousand dollars. That's that's no drop in the bucket. That's that's some good stuff. Yeah. So let's let's back up just a bit here. So you you you've you had a diagnosis that you've navigated through over the last few years your family etc but before we got to that point before you got to that point um what were were there any was there anything that you were thinking was there anything that you were feeling that made you kind of feel different in any way you mean me or about my daughter's you, diagnosis. You personally, before before you got all of that, before you got any of anybody's yeah, well, diagnosis. Before my daughter's diagnosis, um, I had her at 35 and I joke mm -hmm. and say I had her with old eggs. And I used to tell my family that I felt like I didn't snap back. Something was mm -hmm. off. I kept saying that. I'm like, I don't feel like my body. Um, I was running again. Uh, physically, I felt fine. But mentally. Right. Mentally and emotionally, I kept saying something didn't snap back. Right. And mm -hmm. and I didn't know what it was necessarily, um, but I kept feeling like emotionally um, I couldn't navigate things the way I had done in the past. And I right. admittedly am a workaholic. And I remember yeah. um, when she was born, she was still young. I was working a full time job. I was teaching either two or three sections as an adjunct professor. I was driving from Baltimore all the way out to Arlington, Virginia. Um, mm -hmm. I was an adjunct coach at a university and still maintaining my part-time side hustle doing career management. Yeah. And that was my normal. And something about how I navigated that space wasn't sitting well with me because I'm like, I don't feel like I'm managing it the way I did before. So that was yeah. a telltale sound for me. And I kept thinking, it's not postpartum or is it postpartum? Like, what's going on? I'd never had a child before. I didn't know if this was something normal. But I do mm. recall feeling like mentally something didn't snap back and I didn't know what yeah. it was. Yeah, I, I, I want I want you to share these things. And I'm asking these things because sometimes people are in a situation and they hear that somebody got diagnosed, but they don't necessarily make the connection with themselves. They don't necessarily understand what the feeling that they're feeling. They can't identify it. And so a lot of people don't go for help because they can't identify in their heads that feeling. So is that something that you did? You you said I can't snap back and you went somewhere for help. What, what did you do at that point? Well, it's so funny because you're really making me think about this. So before the right before the pregnancy, I was in graduate mm -hmm. school and right. I remember going to the doctor saying, OK, I'm all over the place. You know, I've been out of school for a while. Here I am. And she gave me medicine. Mm -hmm. Now, <laughs> this is kind of funny. 
for me thinking she gave me the graduate school hookup. Okay, don't ask me <laughs> the graduate school hookup. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, this is going to help me get through, right? Yeah. This, that's all I heard was, okay, here's some medicine. And I'm like, this is the graduate school hookup. And I remember very, very clearly, I went to Vegas for the first time. And because I was supposed to be taking this medicine, I didn't have one drop of alcohol, right? Mm. No alcohol. And after that, I came back home and then I found out I was pregnant, right? right? Here we in graduate school. Now I'm pregnant. Now I'm pregnant in graduate school at a traditional school and I'm working full time. Wow. So I see that because all of that was leading up to that feeling that I felt when I had her. Right. And the way now that I know I am ADHD, the way I describe it is it's like you have too many windows open. Right. You know, on the computer, we have so many windows open. And when you're at the height of your untreated ADHD. Right. Let's call it a a manic. You're at that Mm -hmm. manic. Windows are closing that you don't want to close. That's your memory loss. Windows aren't open that you want to stay open. Those are things you need to remember that you forget. And it's too many windows open. Like the 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 circle is going and going and you just can't really balance it and get right. And what right. I did not realize is everything that I had done prior to having my daughter, there was no way for me to mentally maintain all of that. And all of my normal coping strat- strategies were exacerbating my ADHD. Wow. And here's the thing. A lot of folks may mistake that for depression. Mm, Wow. They may mistake that for depression because you're overwhelmed. You're forgetting a lot of things. So now you're upset with yourself because you keep forgetting. Mm -hmm. Right. You keep forgetting. But see, when the doctor gave me the medicine before um, my daughter was born, she told me after my daughter was diagnosed, well, I diagnosed you with ADHD in 2009. I said, what? What? She said, yes. I said, I thought that was the graduate school hookup. I didn't hear her. <laughs> you you thought she gave you a big bottle of Jolt Cola. Whatever those attorneys are taking to get through, she hooking me up. Wow. <laughs> I, you know, wow. but it wasn't until um, then, you know, I kept feeling like something was off, but it wasn't until COVID. It wasn't really until COVID happened that I really sat with everything that I was feeling and really said, this is not depression because I'm not depressed. I know what depression looks like, feels like. This is something else. And then I started researching and reading and connecting all of the dots. Wow. So as you did the researching, the reading and your doctor now revealing to you that, oh, my gosh, maybe you didn't hear me, but I did. I diagnosed you with, with this over 10 years ago. Um, as you look back at your life, what were some of the things that you now recognize that you did differently because of this thing, this diagnosis that you've been living with unknowingly? Oh my gosh. It, it, it makes perfect sense. Like I'm classic ADHD. Um, my cousin is really smart and she's gifted and I would always say, oh, but I have to work hard. Right. You know, I'm smart, too, but I have to work harder. Um, I was always in advanced courses. Uh, classes through high school, college prep. Um, But I always felt like I had to work harder. And what I know now is because my work in memory wasn't as sharp, right? Mm -hmm. So I need repetition. I need to hear it again. I need to write it again, right? And 
I always felt like I had to work hard and I never did well on comprehensive exams. If you give me chapter one, I make an A. Chapter two, A. Three, A. Try to give me all of those on a test, I bomb it. To the point where I actually thought I had test anxiety. And this is very hurtful. This is very hurtful. But I remember this. This was my junior, no, my sophomore year in high school. I was in North Carolina. And because I moved from New York, every year I either had a class with upperclassmen or lower classmen. And I remember I was in a class with lower, lower freshmen. I was a sophomore. They were freshmen. And the teacher said, who do you think are the smart people in class? Mm, and they wow. named me, they named another young lady, and they named another girl, another girl, and a gentleman. So it's five of us. He said, I agree with everyone except Winifred. I just think she works hard. Wow. I kn- wow. I just, like, I remember that. And I'm thinking, well, because I had to, Yeah. right? I had to work hard. Um, so being impulsive, right? Um, right? Saying things without thinking them through, everyone would associate that with me being from New York. Oh, you know, <laughs> she's from New York. She got that New York attitude. She just say whatever. Yeah. Right. And, and I remember clearly uh, doing an internship and I was about 27, 28. Um, mm-hmm. I was a non-traditional student when I graduated undergrad. And I remember doing my internship with Special Olympics, North Carolina, as life would have it. Right. right. And we we worked really hard. There were events every month. That's what people don't know about Special Olympics. It's not just the ending ceremony. It leads up right. to that. And we had done the event, it was successful, and we were able to leave early. And so she says, Winifred, you can leave early. Well, I didn't know how to respond and I didn't know what to say. I didn't want her to think, yes, I want to leave this non-paid internship. So I said to her very bluntly with this, like no expression on my face. And I said, I know. And she looked and said, oh, you know? I said, yeah. She was like, okay, have a great day. She didn't think anything of it because later, years later, I asked her about it. She was like, I don't even remember that. But a lot of folks who have ADHD, sometimes they have difficulty expressing themselves, right? So their response doesn't mirror how they really feel. And I've always felt misunderstood. So in that moment, I didn't know how to respond. I wanted her to know I love this internship. I don't want you to think I want to leave early, right? And my professional experience at the time was only at a call center. You didn't get to leave early. Everything was stringent. You clock in, you answer calls. So in that moment, I remember that uncomfortable feeling of not knowing how to respond. And now I see it in my daughter, who's also ADHD. Wow. Wow. So you're saying your daughter's ADHD. And so I want to get to this place now where your daughter's ADHD, but you also recognize that she's having some other stuff happening at school and then ultimately you get her diagnosed or you get her um assessed and it's fine it's found out that she's has dyslexia yes. man so now you're dealing with that you're dealing with yourself you're dealing with your 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 daughter you're dealing with the, the all of the stuff that happened after birth and still feeling out of sorts now how do you deal with this new diagnosis and as well as finding out about your husband shortly after that? How do you deal well, with all of that? Well, before you answer you, that, before you answer it, 
Before you okay. answer it, let's pause for a word from our sponsor, Rescue Events okay. Management. Are you still struggling to plan your next event? Let us rescue you. It's handled. It's handled. It's handled. I am Melissa Jakes, CEO and founder of Rescue Event Planning the Olivia Pope of live events. Consider your next event handled. Wow. Thanks so much for that. Uh, what, what I, oh, Melissa. Yeah, I forgot her name. Melissa Jakes. Melissa, thank you so much for that. Uh, if you want your next event handled, make sure that you check out Rescue Event Planning at rescueeventplanning.com. So I know that everybody's on the edge of their seats waiting to hear the answer to this. So um, I, I want to read a couple of things. Uh, Gina Desrosier is saying, saying, thanks for sharing your story. Margaret is saying, this is an excellent program and topic. Thank, thank you for this. My daughter is also ADHD. Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. So let's, let's dive back live. Let's dive back in. So you've got this, this diagnosis for your daughter and you find out that your husband also has suffered with this thing for a while. Tell us a little bit about, first of all, when you get that dyslexia diagnosis for your daughter, how do you feel? What do you do? What's happening in your brain at that point? Yeah, so let, let me be clear. I didn't deal with my ADHD until after finding out about my daughter. So I want to wow. just clarify. So my daughter, my only child, again, I, I'm going to laugh and say I had it with old eggs. So in my mind, she was just an old soul. However, mm -hmm. she wasn't learning to read. She had a right. vast vocabulary. At three, she's saying defecate. She's very inquisitive. She asks a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. But I see that she has no interest in reading. I've read to her ever since she was a baby. She had all these books. You know, she was exposed to books. That wasn't an issue. But she wasn't learning to read. She was at a small private school, and she had spelling words. So we would remember five and Bible verses. Right. We would remember Bible verses. We remember spelling words. She'd take her test. She'd make an A. Next week, we try to add five more words. It's like she never learned those five words. And I'm like, this is weird. So I'm like, she's not remembering the words we did before. And then right. her teacher is saying she's she she won't even try to read or she has a lot of anxiety around reading. Mm -hmm. So we then transferred to public school because the private schools were closed. They were had low enrollment. Let me put that out there. The affordable private schools were closing because of charter schools. Right. We happened to get into a project-based arts integration charter school. This is key because in hindsight, I didn't notice then. I knew that my daughter needed to be jumping, clapping in order to learn, but I didn't know project-based arts integration was actually very good for those who are dyslexic. Gotcha. So we get into the school. I immediately tell them I have concerns about her, her reading. You know, I don't think she's where she needs to be. This is first grade. I'm also telling them her handwriting will be a lot sloppier than the other kids because she learned cursive, not print. Right. That's wow. key. because Sometimes you can tell by the penmanship if a child is struggling. Right. So I'm thinking her penmanship is going to be sloppy because she's learning print now. because She right. wrote in cursive. At the end of first grade, I said, okay, she's made some progress, but you know, I'm not happy. As smart yeah. as she is, she's reading by now. And so they said, oh, well, do you want to get her evaluated? Now, this is a little different because I wasn't in my feelings. I didn't get an attitude. I said, yes, 
Yes, right. I want to get her tested. I want to get her evaluated because I want to be able to rule something out. Mm-hmm. So the school um, did the assessment and they found her eligible for an IEP. And they said she had a specific learning disability in reading. And then they wanted to do another evaluation, an OT, occupational therapy evaluation, right. because something with her fine motor skills was off. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of acronyms here, a lot of teacher talk. Yeah. I said, what is specific learning disability in reading? How will we teach her how to read? Because they were talking about accommodations, more time. We're going to call on her in advance. Those are accommodations. Those are not yeah. services slash interventions to teach her how to read. Mm-hmm. At the end of that meeting, the psychologist slipped up and said the word dyslexia. And wow. I immediately said, okay, she has dyslexia? No, 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 no. We didn't say that. That's not what, no, we, we don't know. Wow. And I said, well, how do I find out? And oh, oh, um, um, and a lot of stuttering and body language. Now, let me also add here, I used to work for the school district and I right. used to work support principals. So I was used to the politics of what we can say and what we can't say to parents, right? And so at that moment, I said, something else is going on here. It's something they're not telling me. So I immediately um, left. I called my cousin, who's an attorney and did some special education law and, and at Fordham. And I'm crying. Like, they not telling me something. They say she has dyslexia. Like, and my cousin is telling me what steps to take. I call her pediatrician. So I'm using my resources. A yeah. pediatrician is like, calm down. Here's this psychologist. Call her. Tell her I referred referred you and talked to her. And this psychologist gave me a roadmap. She told me books to read. She told mm-hmm. me, go visit special education schools. At that time, I didn't even know we had special education schools. Wow. Um, and I started following everything she said. And I learned that I could go and get my daughter evaluated on my own. Right. And that's mm-hmm. an independent educational evaluation so yeah. so let me let me ask you this I, I your your daughter is you 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 see this diagnosis I mean I'm I'm blown away by by the fact that you said the the psychologist slipped up <laughs> to tell to tell you this thing and, and as a former teacher I know that there are certain stigmas that can be attached you know when a parent when a parent hears the words or the letters IEP uh, that can be that can be dis- discouraging for for a lot of people. So you you find this out for your daughter do- for your daughter, and you go through that process. And then tell us about when you find out that your husband has this diagnosis as well. Okay, so once I'm I'm following everything that the psychologist told me, I join mm-hmm. a support group for parents decoding dyslexia, and now yeah. I'm visiting schools and I'm talking to other parents. And I'm like, okay, she has dyslexia, but we don't have an official diagnosis yet, right? So within a matter of three days, we were told we needed $22,000, right? Wow. To try and get her some specialized tutoring and to get a formal diagnosis. Now, as soon as they said dyslexia, I started researching and reading about it. And her mm-hmm. dad showed it in college. And I immediately said, he's got it. It's hereditary. It's passed down wow. in the gene. That's why he's struggling you know, in college, because here I graduated now. I was pregnant with her in graduate school. I graduated with a 3.5, right? Mm-hmm. And he's struggling and to get his bachelor's. And I'm reading over his papers and he's leaving off the ED, the S, the ends of words, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm it's his Baltimore accent, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not understanding that dyslexia is a language-based learning disability. 
whereby wow. the brain has trouble processing speech sounds and connecting them to symbols, which are letters. Right. So it's common that someone with dyslexia would leave off the ED, the S of the words. I'm just new. I'm like, he's dyslexic. But as right. a man, you know, as a man, I couldn't say that. I had to let him come to that. And we were at yeah. one of the private schools and they were going over the signs and symptoms. And then he says to me, I got it. And I'm like, you have what? And he's like, I have dyslexia. Everything they're saying wow. is what I struggle with in school. But he he had speech um, through the child fine process, but he was never reevaluated. So right. if a child has problems with articulation, speech, when they're three or four, they need to then be reevaluated because that's a red flag. Because again, dyslexia is a language-based learning disability that mm -hmm. impacts the ability to write and spell, right? So the ball was dropped with him because he was never reevaluated. Right. So he went through school with no interventions, no help, struggled, and just thought, hey, I'm just not smart. Yeah. So you 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 hear he finds this out. He discovers this. You hear this about your daughter. Your doctor now tells you, wait a minute, I diagnosed you 10 years yep. ago. And in the quarter. midst of all of this, you are working. And so you're struggling with all of this stuff at work. All this, all this, what feels like chaos probably is, is injected into your life um, at this point. So from a, from a work perspective, how do you, how are you handling this now? How are you handling this at work? I really wasn't. <laughs> I thought I was, but I right. wasn't. I didn't, when, even when my doctor said, oh, your daughter is dyslexic and ADHD, because we eventually got an independent educational evaluation, which said mm -hmm. dyslexia and ADHD. And I didn't believe her ADHD. I said, right. we're black. The medical code, they need to get paid by insurance. She doesn't have ADHD. She has high yeah. energy like her mom that has ADHD, right? <laughs> but I just wow. didn't believe it. I focused yeah. on the dyslexia. So now I am overly stressed because remember that $22,000? Tutoring mm -hmm. was from 70 to $123 per session, right? Yeah. Per session. And I'm like, how are we going to afford this? Then it's like, oh, you need to see an attorney. Well, the attorney is a fee, then a retainer, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, we're going to put her in a private uh, dyslexia school. How do you afford that? Then in 2018, if you guys remember, if you're in the Baltimore area, we had a lot of pipes bursting out in the street. We had really cold winter. Mm -hmm. So I had two pipes burst, right? Then we had a family health scare. And the whole time I'm trying to figure out how to navigate and get my baby help. So you know what happened wow. at work? I fainted. Wow. I fainted at work. And when I came to, I couldn't move my left side or speak for 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. I was about... 40, 42, 43 at the time. I lost my mother to a stroke when I was 20, 23 and I lost her to death at 25. Scared the hell out of me. Right. I was just terrified. Like, oh my gosh, my baby is eight. She needs me here. And my doctor said it was the stress. You were internalizing it because I was going to work every day. I was producing at work every day, but I didn't have an outlet for the stress that all of this was putting on me now because I'm like, how am I going to, help my baby learn to read, how are we going to pay for it? See, that's right. why I started Dyslexia Advocation because there aren't a lot of resources to pay, right? Mm. And as a uh, Black person, our community, we don't talk about learning disabilities. I didn't have a friend that I could call and talk to. And I'm um, in this support group, but none of those families look like me. 
right? right? So their, their advocacy looks a little different, right? And so here I am just bottling all of this up inside of me, right? And, and I fainted. That's how I dealt with it at work. I fainted wow. and ended up at FMLA. Wow. Wow. So all of this happens at work. You're on leave at this point. Now, I think, uh, and, and wow, the, our time has flown by. We're kind of almost landing the plane here. What do you do? What is it that keeps you going? I mean, through this to the point where you start this company, you're, you're, you, you become an advocate for others. You're growing this company and you're just telling us you won this pitch competition recently uh, to, to add some additional finances to your company. What is it that keeps you going through this? My, I'm, I'm my baby's number one advocate, right? As a mm -hmm. parent, you're your child's number one advocate. If I did not advocate for her to get her mm -hmm. what she needed, who would? Yeah. Who would? And I am huge on helping the community where I live, work, and trying to find a place to worship, right? So my right. whole thing is I don't want another parent to experience what I experienced right now. I was able to get my daughter tutoring. I was able to get my daughter into a private dyslexia school. But the path I took, had I known what I know now, I would not have mm. taken that path. I would wow. not have taken that path because it was a lot I did not know. And I did not know how to navigate the murky waters, right? I, I just was clueless. So after I got myself together um, from that job and, and what happened there, I changed careers. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I came back to work. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I pulled a... a co-worker of mine in the hallway I said pray for me I don't want to be here anymore you know I want to focus mm. on this special education you know I want to just you know pull from my 401k and start this business but I don't even know what it is yet right, right. I literally that I did that and so what I did was I took a job as director of admissions of a special education school mm. because wow. now I'm like not only do I want to help my daughter, but what about the parents who didn't have the cousin who was an attorney, who didn't yeah. have access to get the independent educational evaluation, right? Who who might be afraid to go advocate in Annapolis because you're the only black person, right? Mm -hmm. What about the parents who, who would not do that and didn't know how to do that, didn't have the resources, right? We couldn't pay for all of that tutoring, but I did have a credit card I could put it on. You know, and I was just passionate about helping my community because it's hereditary. Right. So yeah. where are the other parents of children who look like me that have dyslexia? And so yeah. after that job, I was able to learn how to navigate the system. So now I'm yeah. on a mission. How can I help others? How can I help others while also helping my family? Wow. So I, I, man, I, w I wish we had so much more time to dive deeper into this because this is, this is fascinating, but it's also inspiring because of how you have been able to turn this pain into your purpose, right? You've turned this into something that is, is, is a benefit to others. So I think your company, so all can read.org and, or dyslexia advocation incorporated really helps people navigate some of the things that you did not know in the beginning of your journey. And we don't have time to go through all of that, but I want to encourage people to go to her website. So all can to find out more about this. But if you can tell us what is one thing, if, if we're in your situation, if we find out that our child has a diagnosis, what's the number one thing that we need to do 
to begin advocating for ourselves and our families so we're not just stuck with the information that everybody else is giving us? I think the one thing I will tell parents is to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Get comfortable asking for clarification if you don't understand a word. Get comfortable showing up in spaces where you don't see anybody that looks like you. Get comfortable with the uncomfortable, right? Mm. Your family, they may not be on board. People would tell me, oh, you're overreacting. She's your only child. She's so smart. She'll be fine. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Something's not right here. I stuck with my gut. So I would encourage you to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Listen, I'm just kind of looking through some of these comments here. I see um, one from Margaret. She's saying her daughter shares the symptoms of HD, ADHD with her, and she finds that she's been experiencing the same, yet she's never been diagnosed. Oh, my. Yep. Yeah. So this is this is this is eye opening for quite a few people. And I'm really hoping that as people have come and listened and watched this episode, that you are you're not only seeing the, the, the map or the roadmap of, of your life, but you're also finding the path forward. Right. As you begin to make sense of some of the things that have happened to you or the some of the things that you've had to navigate through in a way that may be unique to you. I hope that you're also seeing that that uniqueness, that way of being, that way of operating, that way of seeing the world is a blessing. And it's also a gift to you because now you have the ability to help others who are experiencing some of the same things. So I, I hope that everybody uh, really, really takes that on and takes that to heart. So wrap us up, Winifred. Tell us, give us your, your one last word of advice and tell us a little bit about more about where we can connect with you and where we find you online and how we yeah. can help your company. Sure, sure. You can um, follow us on all social media platforms at soallcanread.org. And I want to tell you that we are coming out with a podcast, the Black and Dyslexic Podcast, where we're going to talk all things about dyslexia, but also talk about it from the lens of a Black family, about equity, inequities. And um, we're going to have professionals on, parents on, everyday dyslexics. And it's going to be a community, a safe community where you can learn, share information. So look for that. That's the Black and Dyslexic Podcast. If you go to our website and you sign up for our newsletter, we'll keep you in the know when we're going to be launching our first episode. Brinford, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your experience with us. We'll see you again thank soon. Thank you for having me. Listen, Winifred had an amazing story today. But the question I want to ask you is, what's your story? What is the thing that you've been living with? What is the way that you've operated? How have you navigated your life? Is there something that you have always questioned, but you never got the answer for? Well, now is the time for you to do the research. Now is the time for you to do the work. Now is the time for you to commit to finding out who you really are, finding out the fullness of you, not only so that you can know, but so that you can help somebody else as well. Listen, this has been Robert Kennedy III, RK3. This is the What's My Story podcast. Join us again for our next episode next week, Monday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget the audio version of the podcast launches on Thursday at 7 a.m. You can drive in your car and listen to that as well. And we'll see you again real soon. Story. Thank you.